Welcome to Let's Get Writing, the podcast that explores the creative process of writing from books, scripts, plays, and poems to songs and blogs. This series focuses on authors, publishers, and artists. Catherine's guests share their process of writing in all its forms. Listen along to discover the personal journeys behind their work. Explore options from indie to traditional publishing and learn tips and secrets to inspire you. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. Again, to Let's Get Writing. And I'm Catherine Taylor, your host, and my guest, Dr. Don Hodder. This is part two of a program we did uh, on his recent book and his earlier book. But when you're doing your own production and going live on Facebook, there's always glitches and little things that you have to keep track of. And I'm not used to having a guest in here with me because most of what I do these days is virtual. So that changes the whole thing. And I've got to get used to the signals and, and signs. But welcome for welcome, and thank you for joining us. What we talk about on this show is the process of writing, creating books, how these things happen, and we help you find inspiration and ideas, and we hope entertainment about how books come about. So if you haven't seen part one, you can catch that on YouTube.com, Catherine Taylor TV. And if you're joining us with part two, we'll be just as entertaining, won't we, Don? We hope so. <laughs> we hope so. We'll keep you informed. So what we talked about a lot in our last interview was growing up in Newfoundland and the isolation, but how you came out of that and you shared these stories. So we're kind of at the point where you have finished your medical career now and you are an author. Well, yes, I um, I, I, first of all, I must say, as I said into the preface of the first book, just because you're very good at something doesn't mean you're going to be really good at the next thing you try. That's why a, 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 a good doctor doesn't necessarily mean a good writer. Any more than a good writer can be a good doctor. A story that I read was of this uh, famous lady who had a large uh, following, and she was having a book launch. So one of the people who was a real fan of hers was a neurosurgeon. And at the end, end of the program, he went up to her and he says, I really love the book. You know, when I retire, I think I'll write a book or two. And she said, and I think when I retire, I'll do a little brain surgery. <laughs> Sometimes we don't realize that writing a book can be very complicated and prolonged business, right? Yeah, it can be. It can very much be that. And as you've said, and I've even said in one of my blogs, everybody at some point in their life, maybe not everybody, but many people say, oh, I think I'd like to write a book about that someday, or I'd like to write a book. But the actual process of doing it is much more involved than that thought. Well, it takes, uh, first of all, you're going to have your information in your head and some idea why are you doing this in my case i got the idea many years ago that i should leave a legacy project for my kids who grew up in a different world mm -hmm. you know i'm 82 and they're uh, my grandkids are uh, are young now and they don't know that world except what they read or hear or we show them pictures and so on anyway um so I got this idea, and I've been collecting stuff forever. Now, I am an old man, 
is not very, not very Here's smart. A tip. Not very smart technologically, but forever and ever, I have had a pen and a notebook. All right. Well, hang on here. Okay. This is how I do it. I go into my phone and I pull up notes, and I've got a note here. Don Hodder, <laughs> notebook in his pocket. <laughs> Ask him about that. Your way of doing it, my way of doing it. Two ways of doing it, but they're both equally effective. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, when I retired five years ago and started getting things together, I found a box of these books down, mm -hmm. down in the basement of our house. I don't know how many, but there's probably a hundred of them. And little tips, little ideas, little concepts, little, little stories. And the other thing I've learned is that Sometimes at an odd time or an odd place, you're driving on the highway, and a thought will come to you. And I remember passing this book over to my wife and saying, write down this sentence. And this sentence might be a story that happened many years ago. Mm -hmm. Or I awaken in the middle of the night, and something happens. I've just got to get up and do it then, because I know if I don't write it down now, I'll get up in the morning and I'll say, you know, what was that you were thinking about at 4 o'clock in the morning? And it's gone into the ether. Yeah. And, and and you think at the time that you think it, oh, I'll remember this. In the yes. morning. There's absolutely no way I will not remember this. But you don't. Well, my brother had an expression, which I did in the preface to this one, which says, a short pencil is better than a long memory. Because hmm. you really can't trust your memory. So and there's a tip. And studies have been done on that, which have shown that our confidence in a memory is probably way beyond what it, the memory is worth. Studies, psychological studies have been done on that. I've read about that. Really? Yes. Well, think what happens on TV sometimes. You see an incident, incident happening, and you know people are called to court, for example. Mm -hmm. And five different people will tell five different versions of the same story, and some of them are contradictory. Right. Yeah. The other thing that happens is over time, we lose our, we lose, we, we, we add things that have sort of come to our head, which may be true or not true, and then we forget things that really happen. So the story you're telling five years later or five months later uh, may not be the same story you told initially. Maybe much embellished, and we're we're known to be storytellers here in Newfoundland, <laughs> and that seems to be something we do around the kitchen table or at social events, and traditionally we've always done it. And we will listen to the same stories over and over again. Possibly they get better every year. There's a little detail here or there. But this is this tradition of oral um Storytelling. Oral history yeah. is, is uh, it's crazy. Well, in fact, in Newfoundland, like when I grew up in the South Coast, there were very few people who could read and write. For example, my my father's father. I have a I, I have a copy of the uh, wedding certificate. It happened in 1901, and my father's father was illiterate. He marked his X. The minister wrote his name down, and my grandfather marked an X. Now, my mother's father, he knew how to write his name. My mother was a Hitler. Think about this, how things change. My mother was a Hitler, H-I-L-L-I-E-R. Mm -hmm. 
The minister wrote my grandfather's name is Thomas H I L L I A R D. Yeah. My grandfather signed on the same paper, H I L L Y A R D. My grandfather's father, my great grandfather, his headstone says H I L L I E R, but his cousin in the next grave says H I L L I A R. So you got four spellings of the same name in the same family. Mm -hmm. So think how things could change over time. Yeah, and and there were occasions that. that where people actually changed the name when they could for various reasons. They maybe didn't want that name anymore. That did happen in the history of Newfoundland as I well. Say, yes. Yeah, it did. I've heard some stories from my husband's father out around Port of Basque, and even their name has so many people changed the way Musso was spelled yes. or said, or and, and mushroom, and it could anyone, anyone who's familiar with that. And and I was asking why, and it was because they, they they sometimes have reasons why they wanted to change it, and they could do it back then. Anyway, not not so easy now. So we have been giving you a few tips here about writing things down. And when you take something, this is a, a memoir, really, of things that happened. So had you not had those notebooks, how much more difficult would this project have been? Well, a lot of stuff would have been totally lost. And, uh, you know, you Sometimes you remember things in a different way that may not have happened, or you may change the, change the place it happened. I know one of the stories I tell in this book was about uh, when I was teaching in, uh, in uh, a little community on, on, on Notre Dame Bay, isolated community, and we had a Christmas program. And we had one of the big guys in school set up to be play part of Santa Claus. And, of course, right at the critical moment, what do you get stage fright? <laughs> so nobody was going to be Santa Claus. And here I was at that time, maybe 140 pounds, you know, 5 foot 9, 140 pounds, playing the part of Santa Claus. And so I'd put the suit on and go out, and the place roared with laughter. <laughs> and the spurge spread, oh, Santa Claus has gone on diet. Well, Santa Claus is dying. He won't be around next year because he got some... Flesh eating disease or something, right? <laughs> so it was a funny thing in the in the in eventually, right? Yeah. But at the moment it was so these are little stories like that. that come back to you. And and so you you had that guideline, but then how did you approach it? How did you take all this material and how did you bring it together? Well, I sort of organized it according to as you look at the uh, at the table of contents. A lot of it is family, a lot of it is uh, medical. And then I divided medical into uh, serious stuff and funny stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of serious stuff and funny stuff. And some of it will bring you to tears. Some of it will, some of it has a, has a beautiful ending, right? One of these stories I have here is uh, uh, a mother brings in her three-year-old daughter. Uh, because when she was putting her to bed last night, she noted blood on her panties. And so she gave her a bath. Next morning, she gets up and the same thing has happened. So now she brings her to the doctor urgently. So now the doctor's got a problem. Is this a social problem? Or is this a medical problem? So I say, okay, maybe it's got to be a medical problem. So I phone the, the, the 
ultrasound people. I say, I want an ultrasound on this child's uh, bladder and kidneys today, if I can get it. This is urgent. And they did. The next morning, I get a report. This three-year-old has a kidney cancer, Wilms tumor, the most common one in children. So within another day, I have her into the Janeway, and she has her kidney out. Now, that's a serious story, but there's a follow-up to that story. Two years later, she's five years old now, so she and her great-grandmother are baking cookies, and she insists that her grandmother or mother come to the clinic and bring Dr. Hodder some raisin bunnies. Where's lunch? Real emotional connection here. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Hunter eats the cookies, and then he writes her a thank you note, which is in the book. It's a little, little, a little bit of doggerel. over it all, it all rhymes and so on. Yeah. So um, she saved that, and uh, many years later, she grew up and got an education, became a school teacher. I was at her wedding years ago and when we had our our our, uh, our book launch uh, she allowed me to put, publish that book in the in the book so I gave her a copy she brought that little note <clears throat> to there to show me she still had that 25 years later but she had it laminated so that it wouldn't get crumpled mm -hmm. up and so on right isn't that a wonderful story it is a wonderful story and there's so many I mean you're role as a physician in communities you you, you came in contact with so many people and there, I, there were just so many stories i'm sure that you could tell about those experiences both heart-wrenching and heartwarming i have had a most wonderful life it's very it was very challenging i uh, grew up in a small community of fewer than 400 people and uh, as i said in part one uh, you know, nobody had ever graduated from high school in what a little one-room school with 30 kids. Mm -hmm. My teacher in grade 11, I just done grade 11 the year before. Uh, she was 16 years old, and I was 14 when we started grade 11. And I gave her credit for getting it through. Mm -hmm. Well, glad she did. It's a long <laughs> journey from, a circuitous journey from a little one-room school in an isolated community to Convocation Hall at Dalhousie Medical School. So 15 years. Yeah, and a lot of it is in the books. So you had these stories. You took, how long? I mean, from the time you conceived you wanted to do this legacy book till you held it in your hands. What was the time frame? Well, this one was at least five years. Mm -hmm. They had all this stuff gathered together. Now, uh, coordinating it, putting the stories together, you know, and so on, and writing many versions. And I did have help. Uh, some friends of mine, educated people, teachers, doctors, uh, dentists, and so on, uh, would read my articles and say, you know, there's a mistake here, or maybe this paragraph should go behind this one, and so on, right? And, uh, and so, of course, I gave them all a free book in the end, but, uh, and I, I must say, with regards to Freisen Press, I found them accidentally one time I was online trying to find some answer to a grammar question I had, mm -hmm. you know, how does this follow? And there was an adversement problem. So I contacted them and eventually we ended up doing business together. Mm -hmm. But I found them very expensive. 
For example, I paid uh, a proper, uh, what do you call it, a, a, a line editor $800 to read my book. And he or she, I don't know who it was, he or she uh, missed a lot of things, punctuation stuff, grammar stuff, which the one thing that I found out that people read what they think should be there, uh, and, and sometimes a little typing, or like a, a, a letter left off, like making now becomes a not or something, right? Mm -hmm. And that can make the difference between what you really need and what you don't want. That's so say, yeah. And I mean, when you make decisions, and actually I do myself work with the, I call them Frisian Press, um, you know, they, they're experienced in, in, in many ways with self-publishing and make it very much of a hybrid process. But it is, it is a financial commitment. In terms of going with a traditional publisher, they take that financial responsibility yes. from the writer and oversee the product. And so, I mean, I'm sure the costs are still there, but it's a different model. Totally different costs. This, this, yeah. book, this book cost me to print mm -hmm. this was uh, to, close to $10,000. Mm -hmm. And I haven't sold a book yet. And my book. And so on, right? Whereas this one here cost me about $3,000. Right. And you, again, a self-published but done in a more local way. Friesen yes. are a very professional yes. company that, that offer this many, many services. Better, but what happens? But this, I learned you got to be there's got to be a writer. Mm -hmm. There's got to be a a printer, a publisher, who takes the book and organizes it. And you've got uh, a book designer who mm -hmm. designs the book in a certain way, gets your pictures or puts your pictures where they should be, and and so on, formats it properly, and all this kind of stuff. And then you've got to have someone who's going to market that book for you mm -hmm. and sell it, right? So, uh, and then it returns will come in. This uh, second book, uh, Follow Your or, uh, Leftover Stew, Leftover Stew, basically a lot of the stuff in, that was left over from this book, this first one, because the publisher said that book is too big. It's mm -hmm. almost 500 pages. So I added more stuff to it and we made another book. Yeah. And it was done locally. You worked with Kachimoyan here. I did. I did. I, I, I yeah. was introduced to her by a friend of mine who also published a book. And uh, I contacted her, and she was my book designer. Yeah. So uh, this cost me a whole lot less than the other one. It's, I mean, it's not such a big book, and it's not in hardcover, and it's not online. But it is an example of the many choices and the many different ways you can approach writing yes. a book. If someone... I mean, you know, we see and I deal quite a bit with people who are with traditional publishers and that part, they write the book and a lot of the rest of it's taken out of their hands. Marketing, no, because writers themselves have to be very active in marketing their books these days and the more they can do that, the better the sales. But in this case, um, you took it. You took it all on. You had the experience of the first book, which undoubtedly helped. It really did help, yes. 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 And I, uh, so this book was done by uh, myself, uh, or, uh, was organized as a book designer. Patrick calls herself a book designer. Mm -hmm. She's very clever. So I, 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 I would very recommend familiar. her. And anybody yeah. wants, wants to contact her, I, if she will allow me, I will give you her, her name and number. Um, so, but then I had to find a printer. So I went to various printers in St. John's and locally and said, but how much is it going to cost me to print this book? It's, uh, you know, maybe 150 pages. And so it's very good varied. 
very greatly, you know, from the, I can give you so many books for, you know, $3 or $8 or $10 or whatever, right? And so basically with this book, I just bought the books. I bought in hundreds of copies. They're distributed around. And uh, people email me and say, you know, send me a book. I don't know if we said it yet on this program. We haven't said it yet on this program. To get the book, it, it, available available locally in central Newfoundland in different drugstores drug and so on. In, but also, you can email directly to Dr. Hodder, and we have set up a link for you uh, to make that easy. And you can email him and request the book, $20 and $25 to ship anywhere in Canada. And if you're watching from somewhere else, He'll, he'll make it work. If you want the book, you'll get the book. Well, so far, I've sent the books as far as St. John's on the east and as far as Vancouver on the west mm -hmm. and as far as south as Alabama. There you go. So we've sent them, or a, a lot of them, around the Atlantic provinces. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And also, and I'm not sure if we have mentioned it, in because this is part two, but the proceeds from both your books have gone to charity. To charity. This book we netted $6,000, and that went to the music festival here in Grand Falls Winter, the Salvation Army Social Services, and uh, this, the uh, hospital foundation. The foundation. So that's Central Health Foundation. Mm -hmm. This one here is all that's whatever we make on this one. Is the leftover stew is going to go to the local food bank. Right. Central Newfoundland Food Bank. That's Grand Falls Winter, Beach Falls. Yes, that covers which is a very, very important um, cause to support, especially at this challenging time when people are often not receiving the incomes that they're used to. So thank you for, thank you for doing that. Let's just go back a little bit um, to talk about your involvement with the community. Again, you've been so much involved with Kiwanis because I remember every year <laughs> you used to come in and see me. <laughs> you never failed and <laughs> you wanted support. And uh, which I was very happy to to provide, but uh, you've been very very active in that manner in the community. Yes, I uh, I've been in Kiwanis now for this year will be forty five years actually, and of course with COVID we've been less active than we were before. But uh, with the music festival, I've been very bad. Now I don't sing, and I don't dance, and I and I and I and I don't play music, but I'm an organizer, and that's very important. Because if you can organize, you can raise funds. And uh, I've been chairman of the, that's a, that committee five uh, years ago, a couple of years. And I um, uh, have uh, taken time off from my work to donate during, during the festival in March. Usually in March. And uh, wonderful experiences. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. One of the pictures I got in the book is when I'm president of Kiwanis Club. I'm, I'm, not, I'm Donate in this book. I'm donating uh, $2,000, I think it was, to uh, one of our local students here who became a, a won, won our music festival scholarship that year. And uh, she's now probably retired because this is many years ago. Mm -hmm. But she became a well known music teacher. Mm -hmm. So these are memories that, uh, memories for her, but memories for us. And it's a picture of her. And memories that make a community. And I think. I think as someone who maybe is not from here could still read these books because I find the stories have a very universal message. They really do. They're 
heartwarming. They are a, kind of a time capsule of what life was like in Newfoundland at the time when you were practicing as a physician, when you grew up. I mean, I, as I said in the first show, I was totally amazed that we were still so isolated here and had so few so few things that other places already had, and yet you were able to rise above all of that. I've been, I've been truly blessed, actually. And as far as, like, I practiced medicine for 45 years, and when I came here, we were uh, working in the hospital, and we did emergency department, we assisted the surgeons, <coughs> delivered babies, uh, did uh, surgery in, in the emergency department, uh, what we used to call uh, uh, lumps and bumps. You know, with some, with some surgeons didn't want to do, you know, but anyway, we did a lot of them. And, uh, and so on, we used to do them. We used to have one guy on, on the emergency department every day. So you want to send somebody down for cyst removal or whatever, you didn't have to go to the surgeon and wait for two years. It was done. And uh, the other thing that happened, of course, we have very few super specialists, like we have one cardiologist here. He couldn't be on duty all the time, so we had to look after people with heart attacks. Uh, we had no neurologists, we look at people's strokes. Uh, we had one obstetrician gynecologist. We had to deliver the babies unless we sensed trouble, in which case we called them in. And in those days, we had no ultrasound, and half the twins that were born before ultrasound came, half the twins, even on the best of hands, were. Uh, undetected until the first one came out. That was in the story in, in this book. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was like, yes. how? Did you have no idea that there were two babies in there. Well, one of the stories I tell here is about a 48-year-old lady having her yeah, having her babies at 48. Got caught on the change, as they say, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was not her doctor, but I was on duty, so I delivered her baby and everything was fine. She was beautiful baby who's crying lustily and that's wonderful right then i go to everybody after birth and the leg comes out so there's somebody else in there so we deliver that one too and then she got beautiful twin yeah beautiful twin yeah, yeah i thought that was a, a pretty interesting story and the other one related to uh, babies arriving where there was a mother and she did not want to leave because she had to finish the soap opera and you talked oh, yes. <laughs> whatever days of her lives and she needed the last 15 minutes before she was gonna go in the ambulance so anyway well this happens yes okay. uh, so that's uh, really about that i think that's in that's the second, in this book that's yeah. in the second book second yeah book. and then you had in the uh what did i know reception but in your waiting area you had a tv and there were Early in the morning, someone didn't want to go in because they wanted to see something on. So you rearranged the schedule. These things would not happen today. I don't think they would. I think these stories are a wonderful memory and just a wonderful slice of life. Some of the stories here, most of the stories here, are, are uh, a lot of them have to do with my grandkids, mm -hmm. like Teddy and Kelly. I don't know if you remember reading about. Uh, do we have time to tell the story? Well, we're getting a little tight on time. We're going to wrap up very shortly. Can we make it very quick? I can make it very quick. Okay. Uh, we have one of our oldest granddaughters, Kelly. She lives in Ontario. So there's 30 minutes from the airport. So she's going to be seven years old. So we go up for her birthday. 
So on the way to her home, I'm sitting in, in the back seat, and I'm saying, oh, Kelly, Poppy loves you so much. I wish you could stay a little girl forever. She said, Poppy, are you, aren't you aware of the cycle of life? And I said, tell me about the cycle of life. And she said, well, I'm a little girl now, but someday I'm going to grow up, go to college like my mom and dad, find myself a nice husband, and we'll have our own family. She said, you will? Yes, she said, that's how it works. She's seven years old. Now. And so I said, well, in that case, then your mother would be a grandmother. Oh, she'll be a grandmother and you'll be dead. <laughs> There's an uplifting conversation. The Lion King. <laughs> Watch the Lion King. It was a man, it was an allegory, right? She watched the Lion King, and she knew this is what happened. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it is amazing. So many amazing stories. Well, again, I want to thank you so much for the time. We we did two shows. We were planning for one, and we did two because there was so much to cover. I'm not sure if we answered all the questions for people with self-publishing, but if not, you can always reach out to Dr. Hodder with your questions, and we will... Try to make sure you get answers. Hotter218 at gmail.com. Okay, and I would put that up if I had access to my computer, but I don't with these types of shows. I'm used to being more virtual. Well, thank you for joining us on Let's Get Writing. I'm Catherine Taylor. This is Dr. Don Hodder. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation and I hope we've inspired you perhaps to write a book and if not, read a couple of great books and uh, support Dr. Hodder in the journals. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Bye now. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So please let us know what you thought of this episode and share your ideas for future guests or topics. You can email us at letsgetwriting at katherinetaylor.ca. Don't forget to subscribe and even leave a review. If you love this episode, share it with a friend. Until next time, believe in yourself and let's get writing.